Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Roger, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at texasfootball.com. Please pick up our magazine and subscribe, texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. As usual, we have Ishmael Johnson in the house. Ish, how are you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, it's really cool to be finally in the thick of the season now. It's time to overreact to a lot of the <laughs> week one things and storylines that have happened. So, you know, football's football is such a funny sport, right? Because I mean, yeah. I grew up kind of more with basketball. Yeah, but sure. football's a lot of fun because there's only twelve of these, mm-hmm. and so you know what? In reality, we probably don't even have information enough information after a whole season to say a whole lot. Sure, you know, like we can say, all right, Bama's pretty good, Columbus's mm-hmm. pretty good, but like. Do we really, even after 12 games, necessarily right. know a whole lot about these teams? Probably not. Right. And that makes this sport just so much fun. Just, <laughs> just arguing like, oh, no, I mean, it, you know, Baylor was really better in Oklahoma State back in 2013. They should have played for a title. Right. And, like, you can't definitively say no. Right. Right? You can't definitively say yes. I mean, probably not. But, like, you know, you can't definitively be like, no, my team was actually worse that year. Because <laughs> it's just such a small sample size. Yep. And we are working with the smallest sample size today, mm. which uh, means the hottest of takes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll tell you what, yeah, for me, like the off season's nice and all, and getting to, you know, you get to travel a little bit more in terms of uh, actually getting some time with players and coaches mm-hmm. and things like that. But once you get to the season, it's like, all right, I'm back. I know the regiment. I have my schedule. I know what I'm going to do. Obviously, you get to watch some college football, which is fun as hell. Yep. It's it's good to be back. <laughs> it's real good to be back. It's good to be back in a routine as well. Oh yeah. Off season's a lot of like, you know, drumming up stuff, trying to think of storylines, right. trying to think of you know stories here and there. I can do this feature. I can kind of do this feature. It's all about looking ahead. Now it's like, okay, you got a game on the weekend. You got a <laughs> midweek game potentially. Right. You got preview content. You got recap content. You got feature content during the week. Superlative stuff. All that. Like we, it, it's getting into a routine and getting into a, a rhythm now. That's the really one nice. thing that does suck about uh, hitting the season is yeah. that you realize that all these ideas that you thought about are never going to happen. Right. <laughs> you just you're, have to during the, during the summer when you're like, oh, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. And you're like. Oh, I have no time to do any of that on Tuesday, (laughs) and then you publish one article, and you're like, "That wasn't even that good, right?" (laughs) But whatever, we're here. We're We're here. here. Uh, We're we're learning on the fly, just like uh, all these college teams are. So, we didn't have time to do our usual Sunday show. I was Mm -hmm. traveling up to Norman, unfortunately, to do uh, to do Oklahoma versus Houston, and also working on a secret project that hopefully will be released next week. Mm -hmm. But since we didn't have that week one, yeah. Who stood out to you? First, we'll start with uh, with positive, then we'll kind of hit negative. Sure. Um, I mean, I think for both of us, a positive UTSA. Yeah. Um, Frank Harris was incredible. I'm trying to pull up his stat line right now. Uh, 28 to 36, 206 yards passing, three touchdowns, only one pick, 15 carries for 123 yards, 8.2 yards a carry. He did not. For, there was a stretch where I believe he had three incompletions, and they were all like drops, bad, oh just bad drops. There, there was one that literally hit off of a guy's hands, and he could not believe the ball was in his hands. Right. <laughs> you can tell that he's been practicing with like quarterbacks who don't give him the ball a lot. He's like, "Oh God, a perfectly thrown pass," and just <laughs> drops it. But yeah, like he was never flustered. Even when the pocket collapsed, he calmly rolled out. He had 
me and you kind of talked about he had that Kyler Murray factor of he just looks like he's just moving faster than everyone at Everyone's. all times. He, he looks like he's in fast forward and the rest of the defense is in quicksand. Yeah, and I don't know if that, that might be due to his short nature and you see yeah. his legs kind of churning a lot faster, but nothing looked – again, This put this in perspective. This is his first game of competitive football in roughly three years. Yeah. He got hurt his – he broke out his junior year in Clemens, at Clemens, got hurt his senior year, redshirted and then got hurt last year so it's like he's been out of football roughly for three years and for him to come into this game hyped up home crowd a lot riding on the line for utsa and frank wilson um potentially losing to their quote-unquote their little brother in this in the city and they come out and they and he just stars like just absolutely sets the stage on fire and I mean, puts any debate to rest that you know the UTSA is the best school in San Antonio right now. <laughs> right. Well, and I know that some people will probably sit back and think like, okay, you know, cool, exciting. It was mm-hmm. against Incarnate Word. It sure. was against an FCS team, and, yeah. and we we have talked about how good Incarnate Word was last year and mm-hmm. and what kind of challenge they could pose this year. But but here's the deal, right? The last the last time that a UTSA quarterback threw for three touchdowns. October 7th, 2016. Jeez. UTSA did not produce a single 100-yard rusher last season. Mm-hmm. Not one. Yeah. They played Rice. They played UTEP. It did not matter. They did not have a guy rush for 100 yards. And Frank Harris does both of those things. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, I mean, don't get me wrong. Frank Harris made some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Frank Harris threw a couple of bad balls. Sure. A couple, seriously. Like, yeah. like two or three. Right, right, right. Um, You know, one was intercepted. Uh. But the thing that I was most impressed about, I mean, 206 yards, I mean, yeah, the, the big thing is that he didn't throw the ball down the field a ton. Mm-hmm. He did look pretty good when he did it, but, you know, again, those were a couple of the drops from receivers and stuff like that. Sure. So his yardage probably could have been a little better. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing that I wanted to see from him is he looked in command. Mm-hmm. He looked in control. And, you know, last year we watched UTSA very closely, and their offense was historically bad. Right. And... Whenever that happens, you don't know exactly why it is. Is it because the offensive line is failing, which certainly happened? Mm -hmm. Is it because the receivers weren't very good? That's part of it. But, you know, you switch quarterbacks going from Cordell Grundy, you know, uh, who are the other guys? Bryce Rivers. Bryce Rivers. uh, One other guy, I think. Did they throw JoJo Weeks out there last year? I couldn't remember. They did. They did throw him out there, and I think he transferred after that. Um, You know, they they threw a bunch of guys out Rivers transferred. I I think Weeks might still be there. I'm not totally sure, but I know Rivers transferred. I I believe you're correct, actually. Yes. Um. And there was another guy, too, I think. I think they started four quarterbacks last year. Yeah. And all of them just weren't ready. Right. You know, and, all, and some of them were just not that good. Right. Not Just not good enough to quarterback right, right, an right. FBS team. I mean, and that describes a lot of us in this world. Right. You know, Most of us can't quarterback an FCS team. <laughs> right. Or an FBS team. So. Right. Right. Exactly. But you just saw the difference. Gillens. That was the other one. DJ Gillens. DJ Gillens. That's right. Uh, you just saw the difference when Frank Harris went out there and just he's decisive he makes the right play mm-hmm. and you know and there are, there are even things that he'll pick up on later that you know hey he'll make the safer pass here but he did a good job of reacting to pressure he did a good job of not just running you know when when he was pressured he did mm-hmm. a good job of staying on the move still looking downfield mm-hmm. which is something that you really don't see a lot of the time in young quarterbacks right and i mean so I, I obviously haven't been around San Antonio football that much, um, you know, from the high school level. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't watch a lot of Frank Harris when he was in high school. Sure. It's easy to see how he rushed for 2,700 yards as a junior. Oh, my God. He was – this this guy's going to be so much fun to watch because – and another thing, I think uh, Greg Tepper, our colleague, kind of brought this up on 
when I was talking about this game with him was this is the team that Frank Wilson sold the city on. Yeah. Like, you look at it. Frank Harris at quarterback. Sincere McCormick, 12 rushes, 12 rushes for 74 yards, 6.2 yards of carry. Judson, right? Yes. So you got, Clemson, you got Clemens and Judson in the, in the same right, backfield. Right. You have Brendan Brady, uh, who's from Cibolo Steel. Uh, he was actually their leading receiver, funnily enough. Five, <laughs> five catches for 47. So you have another option out the backfield. You have Rashad Wisdom, who, re- who started and registered, uh, I don't have his, uh, two tackles right there and a pass deflection. You have San Antonio right there. Right. Like, you have the same, literally the same district of San Antonio, of uh, right. 6A football. Well, and then you taking have Spencer Burford. Spencer uh, Burford, uh, there you go as well. Yeah. You have the city of San Antonio on the field, not only on the team, but on the field, making the biggest plays, being the biggest contributors. And that's what, that's what, Frank Wilson was selling this city on and what he sold a lot of alumni on when he took the job. He's like, look, we're going to recruit San Antonio. And that's exactly what's happening. And in year four, uh, this is year four for him, right? Yes. So this is what you wanted to see, right? Year four is when you start to see his vision of the program take over. And for as much as grief as we gave him in the offseason, we have to give him credit for yeah. you know, starting off on the right foot because we were really afraid that it wasn't going to be that way. Right, right. And and I don't I don't want it too much be that that it was an FCS opponent guy. But you know, we do have to at least see that continue a little bit next week. Sure. You know, they play against Baylor. It's not it's going to be a loss. Okay? Yeah. Like we don't have to we don't have to sugarcoat it or anything right, like right, that. Right. They don't need to win the football game. Right. But they have to look respectable. If but if it's 45 nothing or something like right. that. All right, now we got some you right. know. And and I don't expect it will be, right. but um, you know, Baylor's a good team. You know, Baylor's a team that we think can win up to 9 games maybe. Sure. So this will be a big test, and then uh, later they get A and M. They play another good group of five team too. Uh, right? They got Army. Army. Which, I mean, we'll see yeah. how good Army is exactly. Yeah, but I mean, and, week, and that would be a good test too, mm-hmm. you know, for for UTSA. But they still got Army, and then they go to North Texas. So yeah. I mean, like they have they have tough games coming up. But if they if they're as competitive as they looked, yeah. We're not, you know, we were hope we were thinking what maybe heading into the season maybe three wins, three, like we four were wins. For sure. Now, like they're an upset win maybe from flirting with bowl eligibility, yeah. like an upset here or there. Yeah. M- moving on to another team that I was kind of impressed with. Uh, again, FCS opponent, but at this point of the year, we take what we can get. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech. Yeah. Alan Bowman looked like Alan Bowman. Right. You know, that that was the thing that I was a little worried about, right? I mean, we all know that Bowman's good, and I'll tell you what, on social media, in my emails, I hear from tech fans being like, why don't you have Alan Bowman in that top group of state quarterbacks? Yeah. And th- the reason was simple, because he played with the best offensive minds in Texas college football, and one of the best outside of Lincoln Riley, maybe in all of football, mm-hmm. enough that he got hired by an NFL team. Right. And you switch to a new coordinator, you switch to a new head coach. And he got hurt. And he got like hurt. like it's 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 not his fault, but he missed yeah a good chunk of the year. If you look at that group of returning quarterbacks, there mm-hmm. there are six major quarterbacks returning in the state. Um, you know, and and we kind of slotted him about fifth, which is more about the strength of the quarterbacks in the state sure. than anything. Sure. Um, you know, but uh, the biggest issue with him was sample size. Yeah. You know, he played in seven games, I think seven eight games, and. Right. And we've, we've seen flash in the pants happen. Hello, right. Kenny Hill at AM. Right. Like, <laughs> and and the other thing too is that he was out against all of the top defenses last year in the in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen him necessarily play against good teams. And and Montana State wasn't the team that we're going to see it against. Right. Um. You know we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to to see really kind of what it's going to look like because this week they have UTEP at Arizona, at Oklahoma. We don't necessarily know whether it'll show. On I think that environment will be an interesting test. That environment will be a good test. Um, and he played well, I believe, against Oklahoma last year before getting hurt. Mm-hmm. 
Um, even Oklahoma State, Baylor, those aren't necessarily going to be the greatest tests. Are we looking at mid-October? With, yeah, uh, Iowa State is going to be the yeah. first, like, not real test, because there will be other tough tests, and yeah. you'll have to outduel Charlie Brewer and Jalen Hurts and Spencer Sanders. But uh, but I think that Iowa State game is really going to be the game that shows us a lot. And then two of their last three games of the year, TCU and Texas. Mm-hmm. So, But the reality is, for what he could have showed us in, in week one, he showed us everything we wanted to see. Sure. And... Um, the other thing that I really like about this offense especially is that just look at all the guys, even the new guys who contributed, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have Alan Bowman, obviously, who, who's back, a uh, true sophomore. Armand Shine led the team in, in rushing yards with 125 on just 11 carries. Uh, then at receiver, you know, Vasher played well. Newly scholarship wide receiver Dalton Regnant had six catches. Uh, McLean Mannix had four catches. Eric Ezukama had uh, four catches. I mean, you got a lot of contributions from a lot of different places. Uh, and, and that's what you wanted to see if you're Texas Tech. Xavier White gets in on the action too, the, the Lubbock product. You get a lot of contributions from a lot of different places. And I mean, Montana State, again, FCS team, but mm-hmm. a good one. One that played in the playoffs last year and right. one that beat Incarnate Word in, in the playoffs last year pretty handily. Uh, this is what you wanted to see from Tech. You wanted to see them get off to a good start. They get out to a 28-7 lead, never look back. Mm-hmm. And um, and I want to say that Alan Bowman completed 12 of his first 13 passes. Yeah. So Alan Bowman looks like Alan Bowman in this offense, and that's really what you want to see. And uh, we weren't going to learn a lot about Tech's ceiling from this game, obviously, but I think we learned about its floor a little bit, at least. Oh, yeah, for sure. We knew that the wheels aren't coming off with uh, Matt Wells running the team. Yeah. Like, we, we expected this to be a good offense, and it looks like it's going to be a good offense. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, for sure. Well, and, and just running through a couple other, uh, you know, teams that I think impressed. Uh, Texas, I think, looked better than I expected against sure. Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech is legitimately a very good defense, yeah. but they managed to pass the ball pretty effectively. Uh, Texas A&M, Kellamond looked like he's Kellen taking Mond a step. looked like, yeah, he, uh, there were so many throws where I was like, he doesn't make that two years ago. No, no, no. Even last year. Mm-hmm. there. Uh, I mean, and he just throws the ball so effortlessly, right, too, right. is the other thing. Um, you, you know, th- those are sort of the big ones. Uh, now, let's hear the other side, okay? Mm-hmm. Who are some of the ones that you feel like didn't necessarily live up to what you hoped? Now, this one's kind of double-edged sword because it's, it's has to do with the opponent as well. Sure. And I want your opinion on it because you're at this game. Sure. Houston's defense. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I expected in terms of they were going against arguably the best, I'm probably not arguably anymore, the best offensive mind in college football right now. Oh, yeah. And Lincoln Riley. Um Big stage. Jalen Hurts obviously wanted to impress at his new school. It was it would be a new variation of the Oklahoma offense. So you really did. There was a little bit of a mystery factor to it. But man, Jalen Hurts didn't really have to try a lot, did he? So <laughs> somebody I can't remember who tweeted this, and I apologize if, if you're listening. <laughs> somebody tweeted: If you close your eyes mm-hmm. for the first two seconds of every play for Oklahoma, every play looks like a kick return. Yeah, <laughs> because just every play, it looks like there's somebody streaking down the field. Yeah, right. Do you know how many yards per play they averaged? How many? Eleven point two yards per play. Oh my god! Every time they snapped the ball, they were probably going to get a first down and then some. Yeah, god. that's not good enough. No, and really in a lot isn't. of ways, in a lot of ways, you know, the final score was forty nine to thirty one. Didn't feel like it's that close. it's on Oklahoma for the score being that close, right? Like, they didn't convert on a lot of opportunities. They missed two pretty easy field goals. Uh, They turned the ball over four times. Mm -hmm. And and these are mostly Oklahoma mistakes. These aren't Houston doing good things necessarily. I mean, because 
a lot of the fu- they were all fumbles. They weren't mm-hmm. interceptions. They were so most of the mistakes were just on Oklahoma. Right. This game was not as close as forty nine thirty one, and even Houston finishes with uh, with over four hundred yards. It did not feel like it. No, I'm wondering. Uh, I think it was Chris Vanini at the Athletic that tweeted like he wonders if this is a Khalil Tate situation where like yeah. you know you know the coach knows quarterbacks and you know the quarterback is good you just don't know if they fit that well because you looked at a lot of the plays that Derek King that, that Dana dialed up and it's like okay I can see what they're doing this is really interesting it looks like West Virginia it's very vertical and then you realize Derek King really can't throw vertically that accurately yeah <laughs> there were so there were about three or four passes where you're just like five yards like five yards off the receiver yeah and you're like okay he's calling plays for will greer and he doesn't have will greer and then finally when they decided to run the ball okay look there's De'Aaron king but there were so many passes and so many dial-ups where you're like dana you probably got to adjust this a little bit for what you got for this year at least right right well and i was actually talking to to i was sitting next to keegan right now at uh sooner's wire who Mm -hmm. who we were also talking about the whole khalil tate thing right because With both of those guys, and, and I think that King, you know, is in some ways a better passer than, sure. than Khalil Tate. Right, 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 right. But, you know, I think they're very similar players. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing about King is that he honestly looks more comfortable throwing the ball on the move mm-hmm. than he does standing in the pocket. Because yeah. he's not a super accurate quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that he can't throw or that he's not a good passer or anything like that. Sure. but. He's that's just not his strength, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know, the other guy who we kind of feel like is the top end quarterback in the state, Mason Fine. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a pinpoint passer, and he can't move like Derek King can, right? right? But there's a reality that King, when he stands in the pocket, when he tries to step up in the pocket, he's just not going to make the same throws as he can when you kind of open up the field for him by rolling him out, or even when he's scrambling and keeps looking down the field. It's just yeah. different types of passes. Yeah, and like that's that kind of brings it to the fit situation because sure. like can you name a dual threat quarterback that Dana's worked with right and, and so you're going back to Case Keenum you're going back to obviously last year with Will Greer maybe Gino but he wasn't really he, he G- could move but he really Gino moved a little bit Skylar Howard that's true that's a good a little one bit. that's a good one um, Keenum I will say Keenum was more mobile yeah um but you're and, looking at Whedon you're looking at guys who for the most part outside of Howard and Smith and even in those cases those are guys who can move yeah but who prefer to stay in well, the and, and the other thing too is that the one time because I'd say that Skylar Howard is probably the most true dual threat guy mm-hmm. that that that's he's a, worked with one, yeah um and that was like probably his worst offense. <laughs> also know? true, yeah. Uh, I mean, not because partially because Howard wasn't very good, mm-hmm. but also because I mean, I don't think that Dana is a really good football coach, mm-hmm. and I think that Dana's really good at putting his players in good situations. Sure, but I don't know how much he's necessarily changed his offense to match his personnel. Sure, that's not to say he hasn't done it at all. I mean, again, we saw with uh, with. Can you remember Tavon Austin mm-hmm. and with uh with you know the receivers and that they had there that you know we'll run fly sweeps we'll run things right. like that to try to get guys involved and we'll see more of that I think with Marcus Stevenson, mm-hmm. but I mean yeah you just Derek King's a good decision maker, he's a good runner he's a good quarterback, but he's not going to stand in the pocket and deliver the ball down the field it was it was kind of unbelievable at times how far off he was on some of these yeah and. I mean, I don't know. It, something has to change, right? Right, and, right, and right. Granted, Oklahoma's defense looked motivated, mm-hmm. and 
they could beat uh sorry houston's front up front right mm-hmm. like they could win in that phase sure and a lot of teams won't be able to do that but at the same time you know when you're going against the ucfs of the world even when you're going against smu who's shown a lot of improvement uh when you go against memphis who should be really scary mm-hmm. when you go against washington state in two weeks UNT. I mean, they're just so. This is such a tough schedule for right, them. Right, right, right. And I, I don't know. I'm just a little concerned. And I do think that Dana Holgerson's going to adjust and put King in better situations. But I mean, it really does. The, the timing of all of this, uh, in terms of bringing in a new coaching staff and all that, really does suck for King because mm-hmm. they did know how to take advantage of what he does. And I don't necessarily know whether Houston is built right now. Uh, and is building right now to take advantage of a quarterback like De'Aaron King. Mm -hmm. So moving on to the one that kind of disappointed me, um, and and don't get me wrong, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to overreact to this game by any means, but TCU's offense did not look good at all. That's Yeah, that's fair. I admittedly did not watch a minute of that game. (laughs) Yeah, I I watched a little bit. I kind of flipped back and forth and then watched some of the the recap of it later. Uh I mean, this game was never close. Don't get me wrong. like They were completely outclassing Arkansas Pine Bluff. Sure, sure. And they dominated them on defense in a lot of ways uh i mean they held them to 215 total yards 4.1 yards per pass attempt 3.0 yards per rush but that offense is just not very good <laughs> so they run out alex delton to start the game mm-hmm. alex like Del- did they alternate was it halves or how did that work? no 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 they they alternated them like a couple drives at a time okay, okay. yeah and and one thing i will say they looked infinitely better with max duggan at quarterback okay really infinitely okay. better because mm. Alex Delton, 10 for 22, 119 yards through the air. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what we saw from him at Kansas yeah, State. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's literally against it that line. Right. And and same deal, seven carries for 67 yards. So they ran the ball pretty well, actually. Sure. But they just didn't run the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, at the same time, I don't know how much you can read into them running super well against Arkansas Pine Bluff. But, I mean, I think their their offensive line is in a good place. The other thing, too, is that... Uh, Jalen Rager muffed a punt. He had uh, three drops too, so he kind of wasn't on his game so much, mm-hmm. um, which which obviously hurts. But the the biggest indictment I think of all of this obviously is is just that they couldn't get into the end zone. Their red zone offense was horrible, and so they end up kicking six field goals against Arkansas Pine Bluff, right? Who's by the way not a good pro, not no, a no, good no. team. No, they're good HBCU teams. If you play a Prairie View, you know Prairie View is pretty right. good. You can take some things from those games. Southern, who they played last year, is actually they won the league last yeah. year. You know, if you play at Grambling, yeah. I mean the, the teams that you've heard of, right, are typically you know the the ones that are pretty. Pine good. Bluff's not one of them. No, Pine Bluff I think went two and nine last year, something like that. And um, here's the other thing about the field goals too: the longest field goal on the day for them was 38 yards. So. They were in the red zone mm-hmm. that many times and came away with that few touchdowns. And again, I, I'm not going to write the story of TCU's offense or TCU's season right now by any means, sure. but you're also going to play a lot of teams that are better on defense than Arkansas Pine Bluff. Mm-hmm. And this defense is good enough for sure to dominate teams and to keep TCU in games and and even win a bunch of games. But it just... Right now, especially when they have Delton in there, it just reminds me too much of last year. And mm-hmm. in a different way, because they didn't turn the ball over a ton. Like, that's not what the issue was, um, which which ultimately was the issue in a lot of ways last year. But when you look at this team, if they can't score the ball, if they're only going to put up 39 points against Arkansas Pine Bluff, 
Well, you're playing Purdue next week, and Purdue has Rondell Moore, who can score, who can excuse me score some points. You play SMU in two weeks or in in three weeks, I guess. Uh, SMU can put up points. Uh, Kansas, you beat, but then Iowa State, they're gonna lock them down on the road. That's that's the issue, right? Is that mm-hmm. if you can't put up points, it doesn't really matter how good your defense is after a certain point. And I know, I I know TCU fans are probably like, "Whoa, we got Matthew Baldwin coming off." It's like. Cool, man. Like, okay, great. I like Matthew Baldwin, right? Yeah. He potentially could be the best quarterback on this roster. He's coming off surgery. Right. He's coming off surgery on the same knee that he blew out in the state title game a couple years ago with Lake Travis. Like, it was a cleanup. It's a cleanup surgery, a maintenance surgery. You're asking him to come back after blowing out his ACL, uh, already having knee issues heading into that game, blowing out his ACL, not playing, again, not playing live football and having surgery again. In a new offense, like okay, if that's what we want to bank on, sure, it's worked great for UTSA, obviously. But right. like, that's a lot to bank on for a guy who we don't know how good he is at this level yet. Well, and and the other thing too is that, you know, when we went to talk to Gary Patterson a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, he was kind of forward about mm. the fact that, you know, what last year I gave you know Sonny Cumbie the ability to pick his quarterbacks and do a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and he said this time it's my turn, I choose. Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> you know what. Gary Patterson's probably not going to do take any chances on offense, right? <laughs> I mean, the fact that there's even a true freshman out there at all is pretty right. pretty astonishing. It's but anti Gary, <laughs> well, and, and it's the same deal. I mean, we we talked about this, uh, you know, a little bit in the office with Texas State, right? Mm-hmm. They went with the senior guy, which they always go with the senior guy. Sure. I mean, Duggan has been better mm-hmm. and looked better, mm-hmm. but but like when you watch both of them on the field, it's it's night and day between seeing Duggan on the field versus seeing Delton on the field. Mm-hmm. Now, and Duggan isn't like some savior by any means, and sure. it was, you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff, so you don't want to read too much into it, but I mean, it's the same sort of deal, and, and let's even talk about Texas State for a second here, mm-hmm. too. You know, when you're looking at that quarterback situation, Tyler Vitt versus Gresham Jensen, it looks night and day. Yeah. And you just kind of wonder, what are they seeing? What's going into that decision? And by all accounts, like... <sighs> Because I asked it on Twitter, and by all accounts, Tyler Vitt did look good in practice, like in yeah. camp leading up. But there was just something, I don't know if it was the lights or what happened, Kyle Field, or just when you're in live fire, it just looked like he was not ready. Yeah. Like it looked, it almost looked like last year didn't happen. So yeah. we're like, you, he's not, the, it looked like he wasn't the one with FBS starting experience, sure. even though he was. Um, Jensen, I believe, let's see, I have, a, I have a stat line pulled up here. Tyler Vitt finished 9 of 15 for 51 yards and two picks, no touchdowns. Gresh Jensen, 20 of 31, one touchdown, two picks. Now, sure, both had two picks. Vit, Vit's picks were bad. Yeah. Like, Vit's picks were, he let a receiver too much, where's that ball going kind of kind yeah. of throws. Jensen's, I don't want to say they weren't his fault. They still were. But more often than not, there were throws that he was making that you could say, okay, I can see what this offense is trying to do. I can see what he's trying to do in this offense. Right. The, the first one especially was him not realizing that he can't get away with that at this level. Right. Yeah, it was definitely like, oh, welcome to FBS. Right. <laughs> you right. Know, this isn't FCS. This isn't JUCO anymore. It was one of those. But even the throws that Vit didn't hit or that weren't picked, you were just like, I don't think this guy can move this offense. And Jensen, I could see. And it was like, okay, I could see him sideline to sideline, just trying to eke the ball down the field. You know, he had 160 yards. Not great, but again, you're playing A&M. You're playing, 12, you know, the number 12 team in the country. What else can you ask for? But I just think that going into Wyoming, I don't – I feel like 
Jensen has to start. And whether, you know, that doesn't mean that Vit can't still play occasionally, maybe at the second half or whatever happens, but I think Jensen deserves the right to start this week. Yeah, yeah. Well, usually we'll run through the power poll on uh, on Sunday show, mm-hmm. but since we didn't do that last week, we'll just run through quickly right now. Put Texas State at number 12. Mm-hmm. Not really about Texas State. I mean, mm-hmm. they got killed. It's fair. What, what you going to say? It's I mean, fair. only two teams in the state lost this week. Right. You know, so so sorry. You got to start at the bottom. <laughs> uh, next up, UTEP. Uh, oh, my gosh. They they struggle, 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 struggle to beat Houston Baptist, yep. which went 1-10 last year. Yep. It, I, w- I was a little disappointed. I thought that we'd see some things from this UTEP team, but it just doesn't maybe look like it's going to happen this year. Uh, Rice, I, I think there's a big gap between 11 and 10. Sure. Uh, moving up to Rice, Rice loses 14-7 to Army, but they look very impressive doing it. Um, you know, maybe there's a pulse there. Maybe. Maybe there's a pulse there. Uh, number nine, Houston, again, go on the road, lose at Oklahoma. Number eight, UTSA, dominant win over Incarnate Word. Uh, number seven, TCU, just didn't see what I wanted to see from TCU this week, so I had to drop them down a little bit. Number six, SMU. This was actually another team I was very impressed by. Go on the road, win in Jonesboro against Arkansas State. Um, they have a slow start to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they go down, they go down nine to three, then they go down sixteen to seven. You know, and then they kind of fight their way back. Sure. So, a pretty impressive performance. Uh, number five, Texas Tech. Again, we talked about them. Number four, Baylor. Did everything they were supposed to do. North Texas, same deal. Fifty-one thirty-one is not how close that game actually was. They were up. Uh, I think they went up thirty-one to zero, and then we're just like, well, you know. Sure. <laughs> Let's play some football. <laughs> number two, Texas A&M uh, killed Texas State in their first game. And number one, the Texas Longhorns dominated a very good Louisiana Tech team. So sure. with that, we are going to move on to picks. We're officially looking forward now. Let's start on Friday night. Okay. So we've got the Rice Owls coming home, playing their home opener against Wake Forest, 7 p.m. Friday on CBS Sports Networks. I actually made a last-second audible. I am actually probably going to go to this game. Okay, nice. I, I've yeah. never been to a game at Rice Stadium, so pretty excited about that. Uh, Rice, again, last week lost to Army 14-7. to uh, Wake Forest picked up a big win over Utah State 38-35, mm-hmm. uh, outdueled quarterback Jordan Love, arguably the top one of the top group of five quarterbacks that doesn't play in Texas. For sure. Rice is an 18.5-point underdog. Ish. Where are you going with this? Golly. I do, it's the week one thing where it's like, I don't know what to take from last week. Like, <laughs> is Army secretly going to go five and seven? And it was well, like, you know, I, I hope not because I like Army and like, I, I, I don't think so. But it's just like, it could be one of those well, years. And the thing is, too, is like playing well against the option doesn't mean right. you're going to play well against anybody. Right, else. exactly. It's like, okay, yeah. It's, I mean, you can teach assignment football and you can really teach that assignment football. But then when you play a team that runs something else, who knows what happens? Uh, I've gone. I've switched this pick about like three times. I th- I think Wake Forest. I think yeah. Wake Forest uh, covers comfortably. Um, I think it'll. I think it wouldn't surprise me if we look at this score and it's maybe a one score game at half. But I think Wake Forest is too good. I think I don't want to get too caught up in Rice of one week. I still like where they're going and think they're going in the right direction. But I think this offense just needs something. Like I think the defense can be solid. But third quarter, fourth quarter, the offense is going to keep getting off the field really quickly. Defense is going to get worn down. I think Wake Forest takes advantage. Yeah, I mean, the issue for me is that let's say that Wake Forest – I mean, Wake Forest is a good offense. People don't realize yeah. that. Um, and, and has been for several years mm-hmm. now. You know, let's say that Wake Forest scores 
30 points, right? I think that that's a pretty conservative estimate of where they're going to go. Because sure. again, last week, they scored 38 points against a very good Utah State team. The quarterback throws 401 yards and three touchdowns, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and they run the ball pretty well, too. So if, if Wake Forest gets to 30, I don't know whether Rice is getting above 10. I don't think so. Like, I, 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 don't, know where they're, I don't know where they're getting it from, right? Because, right? like... You know, Wiley Green's probably the best quarterback on the roster, but I don't know if I can trust him to hang with the Wake Forest offense. And I don't know. He They couldn't do it against Army. And Army gave him plenty of chances to do that. Right. And with Army, I mean, all of the production that they lost from last year was off their defense. Sure. And they lose their defense coordinator, Jay Bateman. And, mm-hmm. and Rice still puts up seven points. So, again, same deal. I, I, think that, I think that Rice is heading in a good direction. Yeah. I don't think it's going to show up necessarily this week. Moving on uh, to Saturday, we start with a 2.30 p.m. game on ABC, Texas A&M at Clemson. Mm-hmm. So the good news for Texas A&M is they don't have to play them at night. Right. <laughs> because that is a terrifying uh, stadium at night. Uh, A&M in their last game beat Texas State 41-7. to Clemson beat Georgia Tech 52-14 to in a game that wasn't really even that close. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas A&M is a 17.5 point underdog. Ish. I think A&M covers. Yeah? I think A&M covers. I think Clemson, we saw this last year with Clemson, and not even against A&M, just in general. They're not the cleanest team out the gate. No. They're not the cleanest team out the gate. They, last week, it was a lot of Travis Etienne bailing out a pretty weird, awkward, mediocre-looking Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying it's going to be him for the whole season, but it looked really weird. I was like, man, Trevor Lawrence just looks off right now. Um, I think A&M is going to be absolutely fired up for this game. Uh, a lot of emotion. I think Kellen Mond showed a lot again last week. And I think, I just think that when you combine the factors of A&M, I think is a better football team than they were last year. Right. Just point blank. I think they are. They're an improved team. Everyone's older. I think Clemson's still figuring some things out as we saw last year with the same team, as we saw against Georgia tech. It was, it was tech, right? Yeah. Georgia tech. Yeah. I think they I think they cover. I think Clemson still wins. Obviously, I'm not picking one of the biggest upsets in recent memory, but um, I think I think A&M covers, and I, I feel com- confident in that. Yeah, I, here's the thing with Clemson, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to use this as my Trevor Lawrence, you know, uh, soapbox by any means. Sure, sure. We read a lot into that national title game. I mean. ESPN put out a list of the top 50 players in college football, and mm-hmm. they put Trevor Lawrence at number one on the list, Yeah, and they put wide receiver Justin Ross, who was awesome in the title game. I think he had like close to 300 yards in the national title right, game, right, right. Uh, but finished with 1,000 yards on the year, who isn't even their best receiver, in my opinion. No. T. Higgins, I think, is better. Right. I, I just don't... Trevor Lawrence, I think, is benefiting a lot from how well he played in that title game. And not to say that he isn't one of the top 10 quarterbacks in football, because he is, Mm -hmm. but this idea that he's this generational player that we've never seen anything like Trevor Lawrence before, I just think it's a little bit, I I think it's a little bit overstated. I mean, last week, last week he finishes 13 for 23 for 168 yards, a touchdown and and two picks. You know, I mean, and and it's not like he played better than that and it just didn't show up in the box score. Like he actually played like that. Mm -hmm. And... So I don't think that Clemson is going to be this 
crazy thing that, mm-hmm. that maybe we're expecting after last year because they lost a lot on defense. Yep. They lost all four of their uh, defensive it's linemen. Alignment, yep. Um, and now the one thing is, is that to me, I think maybe the guy who should be the Heisman front runner is actually playing in this game in Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. So Anm's going to have to find a way to bottle up Etienne, who sure. is looks like a truck right oh now. <laughs> he, he looks so good right now. I don't because of how much we talk about Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. we do not talk about Travis Etienne enough sure. because that man is ridiculous. Did you see his line last week? It was like two hundred six. How many yards he finished with? Two hundred five yards, three touchdowns. Do you know how many carries he had? I'm going to go with 17. 12. (laughs) He averaged 17 yards per carry. And yes, obviously the passing game helps open that up. Yeah. But at the same time, last season, 2018, he rushed for 1,658 yards on 204 carries. God. With, oh my, is that real? 24 touchdowns. Oh my God. Oh my God. He averaged 8.1 yards per carry, 24 touchdowns. Because uh, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, because yeah. everybody's like, oh, it must quarterback, be the quarterback. It, yeah. And it's not. Travis Etienne is the best player on this offense. <sighs> He's the best player in this game. It's not even that close. So, that said, Travis Etienne, I think, is going to find ways to break free. But okay. I still do think that uh, Texas A&M does cover. That's a mm. lot of that's points. A, 17 and a half is a lot. That's a lot of points. That's a... I don't know. I, that that's like a spread against in like no offense to NC State who was pretty good last year. That's yeah. like NC State, I right? Like. Right? Right? And and I mean A and M is a legit top fifteen team, right? And I think they'll obviously be motivated for this game. You are not going to get the sort of off the bus thing with A and M where they get afraid of Clemson just right. walking into the stadium. No, they're five stars too. Like these right. guys, like Kevin Sumlin. Even though they're not they're not Jimbo's recruits, Kevin Sumlin wasn't a bad recruiter. Oh, he yeah. has dudes. Like right. So. I think that AM finds a way to cover, uh, but Clemson, I think, still wins fairly handily. You know, mm-hmm. 10, 14 points, I sure. think. That's being, anyway, we don't need to talk. We didn't need to talk about that game that much. Oh, Baylor versus UTSA, 3 p.m. on Fox Sports Networks. Last week, Baylor beat Stephen F. Austin, 56-17. UTSA, like we mentioned, beat Incarnate Ward, 35-7. This is a weird line. Baylor minus 26. Yeah. It's a good line. It's a really good line. <laughs> and I think Baylor covers it. Wow. I think Baylor covers it. I think that it, it's possible for UTSA to get beat anything sub 40 nothing. Yeah. And still come out saying, that yeah, wasn't that bad. Sure. Because, again, we're looking at Baylor, who's potentially a dark horse Big 12 team. Sure. Uh, Big 12 contender. And I don't want that's to – that's partially also me, like, putting the brakes a little bit on UTSA. Sure. Being like giving them the putting the asterisk of okay, it was an FCS team, right? Um, as impressed as I was, I do. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like this this is due, they're due for a little bit come back to reality a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that obviously Baylor's at this point mm-hmm. a lot better than they were last season at this point. Yeah. But I also think that UTSA is quite a bit better at this point than they were last season too. Fair enough. And last year it was a thirty-seven twenty game. Mm. Now, UTSA was playing in front of one of the best crowds in Alamodome history. Right. So, you know, you do have to take that into account. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a lot of points. I do. Th- it is a lot of points. I'll give you that. I, I think that it's going to be, a, again, a very comfortable Baylor win. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that it could be a 42 to, you know, to 17, right. something like that. Like, I don't think it's going to be close at all. Mm-hmm. But I do think that UTSA finds a way to put up a couple points. I think, mm-hmm. you know, Frank Harris breaks free for something. I will say I do think we're going to learn a lot about Baylor in this game just in terms of, you know, have they fixed the big play issues mm-hmm. because I think that Frank Harris is going to make them pay if they haven't. Sure. 
Um, but last week, I mean, Baylor on both sides of the ball looked big, looked aggressive. I mean, it's going to be an easy Baylor win, but I do think that UTSA is going to narrowly cover. I think that 26 is like the perfect line. Sure. I, 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 I do agree. think there's a very good chance that I get screwed and they lose by like 28. <laughs> also fair. I, I think that there's a very good chance of that. Yeah. But moving on to the other marquee game of the weekend – well, huh. well, we'll get to my marquee game of the weekend later. Sure. <laughs> but uh, but Texas versus LSU, 6.30 p.m. on ABC. Texas last week beats Louisiana Tech 45-14. to LSU beats Georgia Southern in a dominant effort, 55-3. to Texas is a six-point underdog in Austin. Mm. God, we got the game day game. Yep. First one in 10 years. That's wild to me. 2009. Was it Tech? I can't remember I think who it that was. was. Okay. I think it was Tech. Um, I'm going to take LSU. I think LSU covers. Yeah. So you got you got LSU now who looks like they have an offense. Sure, <laughs> um, Joe sure, Burrow sure. looks like a good quarterback. Um, Georgia Southern's not a bad team. That is a good team that they oh, absolutely beat the brakes off of last very week. Very good team. And you have Texas. I got a question. Yeah. Is Texas going to be one-dimensional going into this game? So here, here's the thing that we didn't really talk about earlier in the show. So mm-hmm. Texas running back Jordan Whittington yep. is out four to six weeks with with a like a core issue, basically. Right. Yeah. So that means that Keontae Ingram is the only true running back in this game, and running number two at running back, Roshan Johnson. Roshan Johnson from Port Niches Grove. Yep. Quarterback, by the way. Quarterback. <laughs> yes. And their third string, uh, I don't remember who the guy was, but it's a freshman linebacker. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little surprised they didn't put Jake Smith here at all. Um, it's, a little I, bit, I, it's a little bit surprising. I, I thought that that would be kind of a natural fit too. And, right. I mean, they have so many receivers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So can. I'm. So that that's what that's what's really giving me the hang up is. Granted, last week Sam Ellinger looked great throwing the ball. Sure. I was really impressed with his desire to continuously look for his options and not look to get out of the pocket. Uh, Tom Herman looked like it was a decided effort to not run Ellinger. Like it looked like they were doing that at necessity at times as opposed to this is just my offense, but I don't, you can't get away with that against LSU. Yeah. You need to be able to run the ball. You need to be able to get these secondary. Again, this is the, this is also the battle of like, I guess the right to use DBU. (laughs) Apparently that's a thing. Um, But like, again, you're, you're going against one of the consistently the best defenses in the country on a consistent basis. Probably one of the best young defensive minds right now in Dave Aranda. Sure. Um, and I think I don't I just don't think Texas is gonna have enough ways to move the ball without depth at running back. Because again, you're looking at you're looking at Keontae Ingram and when you're not looking at him, you're looking at Roshan Johnson and okay, then all of a sudden you're putting your quarterback which which again Sam Ellinger is a big boy, he can take it. He did it last year, but you don't want your quarterback running against LSU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that's why I think LSU covers. I don't think it's a blowout. I think it's a good game, but I mean something like ten wouldn't surprise me. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing that you are overlooking is the most important part of this game, which is obviously the ba- the battle between two former Utah State defensive coordinators. Ah, of course. Todd Orlando <laughs> and Dave Aranda. Yeah. <laughs> but here, I, I don't know. Th- this is a tough one for me. This mm-hmm. could go either direction. This is going to be, I don't think I'm exaggerating, the best Texas crowd that we've seen in 10 years. Yeah. Um, Texas USC last year was a contender. Sure. But I think you have the regional aspect of like LSU's going to sure. travel. For sure. And like Texas is going to be hyped up because this is all the Texas back stuff, whatever. But it's at its peak right now and they're getting game day. And it's it's like right now is like the pinnacle of Texas's back fever. <laughs> right, right. And so 
you you were gonna get the fullest stadium that we've seen in a while. Sure. You're gonna get the loudest stadium. I mean, I, I was talking to our our boss Adam, who's a Texas grad, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I said I don't feel like I've seen a game at at the University of Texas at uh, DKR where I felt like that crowd was crazy. Right. No, it's never been the case. Right. Even and when they were even when you know '06 through uh, 2010. Right. 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 So. This, I think, is going to be that. That's fair. I, I do can, think I it's going that. to be that. Now, LSU comes into this game. They will be dominant on defense. Mm-hmm. They will be everything that you expect. They will be able to hold probably Texas close to like under three yards per carry, probably. Probably. So here's the one thing that I'll say, though, okay? So last week against Georgia Southern, Joe Burrow completes 23 of 27 passes, 278 yards, five touchdowns. Very, very impressive, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll do that against Texas. Uh, I do think he's going to struggle to complete passes because, I mean, he's one of those quarterbacks who, when he has receivers getting free, he looks good, mm-hmm. but he's not super accurate. You right. know, I mean, he's not primarily a thrower. I mean, he's he's a uh, sort of a true dual threat guy. Sure. Um, and the one thing that's kind of interesting, so they run, LSU runs the ball 33 times, only averages 3.7 yards per carry against That was Georgia fascinating. Southern. That was a little, that was something where it was like, okay, Joe Burrow looked good, but... That running game is usually something Florida, LSU has always been able to rely on. Yeah, and I just don't – if they can't run the ball, not just okay but well, mm-hmm. I think they're in trouble. And now sure. they'll run Joe Burrow, like for real, because he, he only right. had one carry against uh, Georgia Southern. They're mm-hmm. going to run him a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that Texas is going to run Sam Ellinger quite a bit as well just to kind of change pace. This is one of those spots where – I think that both teams are going to be able to take away the run, Mm -hmm. right? And so the question to me just becomes, who do I trust more to throw the ball between Joe Burrow and Sam Ellinger? And I don't know whether it's enough to win the game, Mm -hmm. but I think I trust Sam Ellinger more, right? Oh, yeah. And, and And so the other thing, too, I mean... Like you mentioned, I mean, Ellinger completed oh, – I don't know whether they were Ellinger, but but Texas threw passes and, and caught passes from 10 different receivers, mm-hmm. and eight different receivers had multiple receptions in that game. And Brennan Eagles looked like what we thought he was going to be. And, you know, Devin Duvernay, nine catches. I mean, that's big. Mm-hmm. That's big to get players like that. And you don't even mention, you know, Keontae Ingram catching some balls. Uh, Jake Smith, four receptions. I mean, you, you had a lot of guys out sure. there who were able to catch some passes. And – I mean, again, there's a reason why they want to play Roshan at running back right now, too. I mean, he can move. Mm-hmm. That dude can move, and, and he caught two passes, too. Yeah. So, again, I think I'm picking LSU to win the game, mm-hmm. but I think it's close enough that if you're going to give me close to a touchdown, I think I'm going to take Texas. I think, so, looking at LSU last year, their running options. Yeah. Coming back, aside from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, can you name their? Or can you can, can you take a guess as to their yard? Their first name, their second, their second leading rusher coming back. Oh man, I don't think I could do it. It's Joe Burrow <laughs> <laughs> with three ninety nine. Yeah. After him, you know who it is? No. Leonard Fournette. Oh, it's Leonard. I, I, One hundred and six <laughs> yards. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's what they got coming back. That yeah. was all they had coming. But it was Edwards Hilaire, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and it looked like that when you look at the stats. Yeah. Uh, Edward Solaire, nine carries, forty five yards, and a touchdown. So he played well. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. They, they had a kid named Curry, uh, Chris Curry, who is a freshman who carried the ball two times for twenty three yards. But then it was six for twenty, 
six for 19, five for 11, three for three, one for two. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, I don't oh, know. This is going to be an interesting game of it's, teams that don't want to r- throw the ball, having to throw the ball quite a bit. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> and I think at this point, if I'm going to trust one team to throw the ball over the other, I think I'm taking Texas. Now, That's at, fair. The, at the That's same fair. time, at the same time, mm-hmm. when you look at corners, mm-hmm. like LSU, LSU at this moment is closer to DBU. Sure. Right. Right. Next year, I think Texas will be DBU. Right. You know, next year, when you have Jalen Green in his second season, you know, when you have all the uh, Kobe boys in his second season, um, mm-hmm. you do have to replace uh, Brandon, Brandon Jones, Jones, but but you've got BJ Foster to do it, which is so unfair. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, and obviously, Caden Stern's leading all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, I do think that LSU's defensive backs are better by a little bit, mm-hmm. especially uh, especially their corners. Yeah, I think they're experienced. Corners. Yeah. Right, right. So, so it is. It's not going to be like a one-to-one comparison necessarily. Mm-hmm. But, man, I don't know. This is a. You know what? I'm picking Texas outright. So oh man, Texas is going to win the go. football game. Texas is Texas back. Texas is going to win the football game. <laughs> All right, oh, I like boy. it. I like it. I like oh, it. Oh boy, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we we gotta we gotta run through some more games. Okay. Yeah, uh, trust me, there's not a lot to talk about with a lot of some yeah, of these. So. Yeah, that, that's that's true. Okay, so next up we got uh, Texas Tech versus UTEP, 7 p.m. on Fox Sports Networks. Tech beat Montana State 45 to 10. UTEP beat Houston Baptist 36 to 34. Tech is a 34 point favorite. Tech covers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Tech covers. Yeah, that's all I gotta say about this. I I mean. I have been trying to talk UTEP being good into existence for, sure. like, a full calendar year now. Everything there you like, right? <sighs> you like the staff. You like this community. You like the player. Like, there's so many, so much about that program that you like. You like the, the process. Yeah. Everything about it you like. It's just not there yet. It's just not <laughs> happening. And, and, I mean, again, it, it wasn't a one-year rebuild. Right, right. Either. And it wasn't a two-year rebuild. It's probably going to be a three-, four-year rebuild, right. right, before we even start seeing them being average. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, Tech obviously wins easily. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll skip over over my favorite game of the weekend. Uh, let's let's move first to Texas State versus Wyoming, 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Texas State lost 41 to seven to A and M last week. Wyoming beat uh, the fighting Greg Teppers uh, at Mizzou, 37 to 31. Texas State only a seven point underdog. I think Wyoming covers that easily. I think yeah, they're. I don't know. I don't know what kind of home crowd Texas State's looking at. Um, <clears throat> it's mostly has to do with the offense. Um, yeah. If Wyoming gets up twenty-one-three, yeah. Like I just, you know, I just don't see the Texas State being able to close that gap. I was. I, I'm so optimistic about Texas State. I am too. I, I still think that they can win five games this year. Sure. Um, and, and even when we were accounting for five wins, this game was not one. No, game. right. This was yeah. Um, th- this was one of those sort of uh, uh, measuring stick. Yeah, games. F- maybe like a coin toss game. Right. Where you're like, oh, if they right. get it, dude. Who knows? But no. and, and the other thing too is that yes, Wyoming did beat a Power Five opponent mm-hmm. and a, a pretty good one at that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, sometimes these games just happen. Sure. You know, and they were playing at home. They Week were one, like, it's yeah, craziness. You know, yeah. things happen. Yeah, but I, I do think that it is concerning that that Texas State really wasn't able to generate any offense mm-hmm. against A and M, and Wyoming's defense is not A and M's by any means. Right. They're going to be able to put up some points, and I think we'll learn a lot more about the actual offense this week. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you've got a multiple-time national championship coach and Craig Bull mm-hmm. versus a guy coaching his first ever home game. Yep. So I, I just think that. You know, and I, I'm honestly a little surprised that the line's only seven. I, I, think I am I, too. I think they gave him a little too much at home just because, yeah. like, 
It'll be emotional. It'll, it'll be, be exciting. A, it'll be a fun game. It'll be yeah. It'll be a, I think it'll be, it'll be their best home crowd of the season. Yeah. But it's just like yeah, yeah. There's just too many question marks for Texas State. I, right I now. will say, I will say, you know, Texas State's defense did look legitimately good. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think that their pass rush was excellent. Like, yeah, they got to Kellen Mond so much. And a lot of the points that A and M put up was were just Kellen Mond doing things. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and. Honestly, AM did not run the ball well. Mm-hmm. You know, AM's receivers didn't get that free. Kellen Mond just decided that he was going to be awesome. Right. And I'm just going to dime these throws. <laughs> yeah. If, if if last year's Kellen Mond is playing in that game, I mean, obviously, Texas State doesn't still come close. Right. But, I mean, I think that maybe AM only scores like 28. You know, I mean, it was, yeah. it was a very good Texas State defensive game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, you just got to score some points, man. Yep. <laughs> you got to score, score something. Give us something to be optimistic about. All right, moving on. Uh, we got Houston versus Prairie View A&M. I don't think that we need to talk too much about this one. But nope. uh, Houston, you know, they'll really be trying to get something back on offense mm-hmm. because they they just really struggled. That yep. game, 7 p.m. on ESPN3, by the way. Prairie View uh, struggled a little bit with Texas Southern in the first quarter. They mm-hmm. go down 13-7, I believe, at the – Maybe at the half, mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was half or quarter, but uh, they beat him forty-four to twenty-three. Dewanya Tucker, uh, huge game for them. He, oh he's, yeah, he's a running back that you need to know if you don't know him. Uh, I believe that he had one hundred eighty rushing yards and three touchdowns on eleven carries. Let me see. So, I'm looking up right now. So, so we're gonna we're obviously gonna call him uh, FCS Travis Etienne. Right. Uh, that's that's his official. Eleven name. carries, hundred yeah, one ninety-three touchdowns. Oh man, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's pretty good. And yeah. I mean. Obviously, uh, Houston presents a little bit more of a of an issue than Texas Southern, mm-hmm. but I do think that we'll be able to watch some interesting things in this game. I mean, oh, for I, sure. I, I do actually think that you know Prairie View has one of the best uh, HBCU offenses mm-hmm. in, in the country. Oh, I for mean, sure. And it, it was, uh, I believe, head coach was former Grambling offensive coordinator. Yes, he was, I forgot Eric his name. Dooley. Yes, Eric Dooley. And so you head into this game, um, and, and if you're if you're Houston, I mean, just just try to. Keep their points down. Try mm-hmm. to, you know, if you can keep them to under two touchdowns, two scores, like, yeah. I think you feel pretty good about that. Uh, and because, again, their quarterback, Jalen Morton, they're running back to Tucker to arguably the, the best backfield, mm-hmm. even even like across uh, across FCS um, right. in the state. I mean, they're they are up there. So if you can if you can find a way to keep them under control, I think that you feel pretty good about that. So obviously, I think we're both picking Houston to win. Yep. <laughs> and there's no line on that game, so you know nothing fun about that. Yeah. All right, last one, last one. The real headliner. SMU versus North Texas. Yeah. 6 p.m. on this is annoying ESPN three. <laughs> uh, so I just switched to YouTube TV last week because I wanted the full DVR space. Everybody sure. talked so good about it. Uh, Turns out, and then you got some interesting news the week of. <laughs> turns out, as of last Thursday, you can know. Which, by the way, the day after I got it, <laughs> turns out you cannot watch ESPN three games if you have YouTube TV. Oh man! So That's rough. thankfully, uh, this is where the the privilege of still having your parents log in there you comes go. into play. Uh, so I can watch it on my computer. But uh, SMU last week impressive win over Arkansas State thirty seven to thirty. UNT beat Abilene Christian fifty one to thirty one, and that game was not that close. They yeah. went up thirty one zero and then just kind stopped playing it. football. Yeah. Now, I will say, UNT that was your issue last year. Mm-hmm. You let people get back in games after building up huge leads, so don't do that again. But SMU three and a half point favorites heading into this game. Man. I know, you, because we were talking about it before the show, 
What's the stat that's key, kind of key in this game? The winning, the the little streak <laughs> SMU has. So SMU has not lost to UNT in Dallas. Now they've played some neutral sites, right? Irving, Texas yeah. Stadium, all that stuff. Right, right, right. It's, you know, pretty fun. But they have not lost in Dallas since 1933. <laughs> that includes again. That includes two years ago. When North Texas, I believe, had their first nine-win season, yep. um, and SMU kind of kind of fell off a cliff towards the end. Yep. That includes a blowout win for that. That was a blowout win for SMU that season, by the right. way. These teams have never been peers. Oh man, I have no idea what to think of. Like, right? Oh god, because like, if you if you just go off of what these programs should be, right? Sure. In their in the peak of their power, right? You probably should take SMU. Yeah. Right, yeah. In Dallas, better conference overall, recruiting hotbed. Right, it's just there's structure, history. Right, it's just like you see you at the height of their power. SMU should be the better program. Yeah, that is not that was not the case last year. No, and that I don't think that should be the case. I'm gonna go with North Texas outright. So the other thing that I'll say, um, so yes, UNT has won that one game in 1933. It's the only ever win by UNT in Dallas. So uh, now they did have a tie the mm-hmm. year before. Mm-hmm. So overall, UNT's record in Dallas playing at SMU, one twenty-three and one. Oh um, my god! I think they do it. I think yeah. this is the year. Um, SMU started off a little shaky last week. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was just week one stuff with Shane Bichelle getting used to the offense, and obviously they got on the right track and they were fine. But man. I just think you got to go with the sure thing, and we know for sure right now that UNT is a machine. Yeah, and so, it, it has to. Do, and it, like, I'll you know I'll pass it off to you after this, but it, it just has to go with can UNT keep the foot on the pedal? Yeah, because last week we saw that SMU once they get their feet under them, okay, cool. Yeah, Shane Bichelle looked comfortable. Like right, that offense right, is really right. humming. <laughs> so UNT has the best player in this game. Yeah. And it's not really that close. There's not another guy who's that close. I mean, James Prochet is maybe like in that range, right. but but Mason Fine is the best football player in this game mm-hmm. by quite a bit. Here's the issue, right? Rico Bussey is, is UNT's next best player, mm-hmm. and he's amazing. But James Prochet is probably a small step ahead of him. Probably. I, I mean, it's I would, close. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that SMU's receivers with, with Prochet and Roberson are a tiny step ahead, mm-hmm. a negligible step ahead. Sure. Uh, running back, I think that, that UNT has a better room than SMU right now. Mm-hmm. Offensive line, I think that UNT is a little better. Defense, SMU is quite a bit ahead mm-hmm. right now of where North Texas is. Right. And that's sort of the issue, right? Is like UNT has to go on the road against a team that's going to be mad after what happened last year when, mm-hmm. when UNT basically – you know, beat him over the head with a with a pipe. Right. And they have a new quarterback who's not going to make as many mistakes. Uh, but, like, SMU is better in a lot of areas. They're better in a lot of areas. That That's really the concern to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, because, like, you look, at, cause you look at North Texas' defense, right? Sure. I mean, AC, it took a while, but ACU... I don't know if you want to count it up to garbage time or what, but I mean, 7.8 yards of throw, 5.1 yards of carry. Like yeah. they were moving the ball on this UNT defense. Right. And you take, you converse that with 
Arkansas State, who's a really, really, really good group of five program. Sure. And it was no shock that SMU was losing this game for the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, SMU was an underdog in right. this game. And so, so, so you look at... <sighs> You look at UNT's defense. Yeah. I feel good about their safeties. I feel okay about their defensive line. Mm-hmm. Their linebackers and corners are still pretty new. Mm-hmm. Now, Nick Harvey played really well, the, the South Carolina and former A&M transfer mm-hmm. um, at corner. But is he... Do you have... That's the issue. Mm-hmm. Do you have the second guy? Yeah. Because I think Nick Harvey can at least sort of match up with James Prochet. Sure. Not, Still got Reggie Roberson. <laughs> yeah, and and Roberson last week, 11 catches, 180 yards. Yep. So, and, and not to mention sort of their other guys, you know, like Myron Galliard and, and C.J. Sanders and all those guys. I mean, right. they've, they've got a talented room, too. Now, again, North Texas, you know, has, has all those pieces, too. Mm-hmm. But you just have more guys at SMU who you feel like can match up with those players. I'm going to pick North Texas primarily based on the fact that I think that they have the best quarterback in this game, the best overall player, and the better coach. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, man. I, I think that defensively, SMU is on a whole other level right now than UNT is. I, I think that Kevin Kane is one of the best defensive coordinators, uh, up-and-coming defense coordinators in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and really, I think that this comes down to can not only can Bodie Reader out-coach Rhett Lashley, but mm-hmm. can he do it by a lot you can't right. do it by a little right you know you have to do it by a lot i yeah. think he can but i'll tell you what uh you know i, I think at the half I, I think at the half unt had maybe 38 points mm-hmm. and then after that they only scored uh 13 more in the second half that's not going to cut it nope i don't care who's in the game i don't care if jason bean comes in i don't care whether case martin comes in i don't care whether you're on your fifth string running back i don't care Mm-hmm. You got to find a way. You got to score more than thirteen points in the second half. So I think. Let me see. I'm trying to figure out. ACU had six quarterback hurries last week because what we knew, what we knew last year was you can beat North Texas if you get to Mason Fine. Yeah. Right. If you if because he's a tough dude, he's gonna take hits and he stands in the pocket and he takes those hits. That wears on him eventually, yeah. and that's that was the difference last year with uh, in this exact game and the year before was that last year they protected him, the year before they couldn't. Yeah. Um. ACU got to him a little bit. You know, six is fine. You're not going to have a clean pocket for a whole game. Sure. Um, SMU, I'm trying to think. I don't think they had this. That spe- I think they had two sacks, five hurries on um, Logan Bonner. But that's where it's going to be one to me. Yeah. Is that front seven matchup and that pass rush because Mason Fine is a small dude. He's a tough dude. But as we saw last year, he can break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I feel I feel really good about the state of SMU's defensive line right now. I mm-hmm. mean, Delonte Scott at defensive end really got into the backfield against Arkansas State. I think yeah. he had four tackles for loss. Uh, Turner Cox is a guy they're very high on, who's only a sophomore, but the other. So you have four uh, four guys in that front. Three of them are seniors. So they have guys. That, that's kind of the issue. They have guys. Mm-hmm. So I do think that they're going to be able to to fight. Um, I mean, UNT brings in a, a left tackle transfer from uh, Virginia Tech who played pretty well in uh, DeAndre Planton. Mm-hmm. Their interior defense, uh, their interior sorry, offensive line is pretty good, especially if they can uh, if they can get back Alex Woodworth who was out last week. It's there, right? It's there, and. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong; like UNT doesn't need this game, and SMU doesn't right. need this it's, game. It's it's definitely a rivalry, bragging rights game, and that 
solely. <laughs> but it's going to tell us a lot about both these teams. For sure. Because if SMU loses this game, it's not necessarily that they're going to struggle or even miss a bowl. Like, I still think they can easily make a bowl and play, have a good season without it. But sure. but I do think also that this game matters a lot more to SMU this year than it does to UNT. Mm-hmm. Um, because UNT, I mean, this season is about exactly one thing, and that's winning Conference USA. Yep. You know, nothing else this really matters. This is the year. This is the senior class. This is... By all accounts, Seth Luttrell's probably his last year. Probably. Um, but for SMU, this is a springboard. This is They're still looking under Sunny Dykes to be like, okay, let's see what we're, what we're, right. what we're building here. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to pick North Texas to win the game because I trust Mason Fine. It's his last season. I think he's going to be ultra-focused. I think Seth Luttrell is going to be ultra-focused. And I think that uh, Bodie Reader is, is a really good coach. Mm-hmm. But nothing would surprise me. Yeah. I, I think, again, looking at this slate of games, there's a lot of good games on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that I think that Texas LSU is going to be a really, really fantastic game that we talk about for a oh, while. For but, sure, for sure. But I think that SMU-UNT is probably the game with two teams that are going to be as motivated as we're going to see them, mm-hmm. uh, with two teams that are as talented for that level as we're going to see. And there's going to be a lot of stakes in this game that are going to make it really interesting. So... I will be sitting in the t- in the Texas press box at DKR, but I will certainly have this game up on my computer. So I'm excited for this one. Well, I, I will say, uh, if you haven't signed up as yet to play in our Pick'em contest, mm-hmm. you should do that. Uh, go to TexasFootball.com under the College tab. It's under College Pick'em. I don't know if there's a better link. If there is, I will figure it out. <laughs> but um, it's absolutely free to enter uh, every week. The winner wins a $20 Visa gift card that we'll mail out to you. And the season-long winner wins a $200 gift card. And again, you have to pay $0 for it. So, I mean, come on. Why wouldn't you? All you have to do is sign up on our website. That's literally it. And that's so that we can monitor you really more than anything. So, uh, after after week one of the college football season, uh, Ish, do you want to tell us who is currently <laughs> in first place? Well, that would be me. Um, <laughs> don't worry, I did not get the Visa gift card. Uh, it, it does not count. We don't get the prizes if we ac- if we actually place first. That, that seems like some garbage. You should at least get like a twenty dollars raise. Right? I know, right? That should, I'll, talk to, I'll talk to our boss about that. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like if you, uh, I feel like if one of us ends up being the the overall top point getter, yeah. I feel like we should get the two hundred dollars. You know what? That's a lot of money. That's a good That's point. That's a lot of money. That's a good point. <laughs> Screw all of you. <laughs> <laughs> but Isha, now not all of uh, not all of the FCS games were against the spread last week. Right. Which, so so overall with against the spread, he was eight and four last week. Yep. I was seven and five. Uh, apparently, I I just had in my heart too much that Incarnate Word could do it. Yeah. And they could not. <laughs> but um, but overall, uh, the only game that you got wrong in the Pick'em contest was Louisiana Tech, I believe, mm. who we who we thought would be able to cover because Texas c- kind of started slow the past couple of years. Yeah, uh, Tom Herman is a favorite. Texas' first game of the year always And that's kind of what made so. it uh, so impressive what they did last week. But right. uh, if you want to come for Ishmael's crown, man, you, you better <laughs> do it. Uh, let's see. Who all uh, – a bunch of people finished uh, tied for second. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, whew, 66 people. That's a lot of people to be uh, tied for second. Whew. So if you want to get in on it, uh, again, make sure and go to textfootball.com. Look under college, and it's the college pick'em. Um, some of the guys, I'm just going to scroll through a little bit and give some random shout-outs. Uh, Bill Bullock, Brian Martin, uh, Chris Castleman, Cody Gamble, uh, Pete Medina. I mean, we, we, guess we got a lot of people tied for second place right now with 10 points. So if you want to keep moving up in the season, though, 
Uh, make sure and sign up now. You did miss the first week, so you're going to be a little behind. So come on, you got to get on it week two. You got to hurry so that you can win that $200 Visa gift card if you haven't as yet. So also, Cody Gamble, they might, I think that might be Allen's baseball coach. <laughs> one of the Allen. One of the Allen. Uh, I, I, I don't know I, if he went. To, I don't know if he's a coach. But I knew he went to Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, That's I, interesting. I mean. Well, it must be related to Terry, right? Right. Yeah. I think. Well, let me double check. I think that. Oh, I think he might be playing for Texas State. That's interesting. That's interesting. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Well, well if, if he, that name, I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard that name before. <laughs> well, I, I will say, if he if he missed two, one was probably Texas State. Probably. Yeah. Oh, actually, actually, no, they covered. So no, he actually, yeah, yeah, or uh, that's right, they did cover. Actually, what did we what did we set the line at for this one last week? I don't actually know whether it was exactly 34. It might have been 33 and a half. No, but was, if you got the points, yeah, they covered. Yeah, 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 So that means that they covered. So hurry up and get in on the game. Uh, it's week two. And, uh, you know, you can pick all these games against the spread. You can play against us. I will say, I, I know that it's obviously not great that our college football insider is not in first place. I, I, I understand. Tied for third. Yes, I am tied for third with, a, what, with nine? 3,000 other people. Yes, with a lot other people so i i better i better get myself going i, I can't uh, i can't afford any more slip-ups here <laughs> but but again seven and five against the spread you're yeah. eight and four you know what we are above 500 we'll take it uh again we got one two three four five six seven eight games this week so it's a good opportunity to jump in there and by the way if if we do have a tie um for the top spot like we do with uh with this one mm-hmm. we're gonna do a random drawing with all the people who got uh who tied for first or for in this case second place because sorry as you don't get twenty dollars nah, that's fine <laughs> but uh again hurry up and get in you can win every single week uh you can win the season-long contest and you know what you at least want to beat me right you, you at least want when you tweet at me you want to be able to say i got more picks right than you i well, know you more about football than <laughs> you do well, maybe i should have your job <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks again to everybody for joining us. Uh, this episode has gone a little long, but you know what? Thanks for sticking with us for a whole hour and eight minutes. Uh, again, if you want to read our work, you can find all of it at texasfootball.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Uh, if you haven't as yet, please, 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 texasfootball.com slash subscribe. You'll get a magazine mailed directly to your house. You'll get our winter recruiting edition mailed directly to your house. For the first year, it's only $19.95 plus shipping and handling, which is less than the cost of the magazines, which honestly doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But thankfully, I don't have to worry about all the money stuff. Bad uh, for us, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> make sure and also keep an eye out. Uh, when, when does the basketball magazine launch? Oh, uh, we will. Let's see. That We send that off to press early October. So hopefully by November, that'll be hitting shelves. All right. By November. And, yeah. uh, you know, we don't want to give you too much information, but I did have an interview last week with our cover subject. Mm. So uh, you're, you're going to want to you're going to want to read that. So pay attention for that. Uh, it's going to be a good one. I mean, I, I think that. Right now, I mean, people don't realize how much we put into that basketball magazine. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a lot. Keep in mind, for every single high school that we do, we have yep. to do men's and women's. Yep. I haven't necessarily been around for a full cycle of it because I joined at this point last oh, year. Oh, trust me. You'll start to see me look more and more disheveled <laughs> over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so. I'm, sure, I'm sure when I ask you to do the podcast, I'll be like... I'll be like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can, can anybody else? Can, can literally anybody But anyway... <laughs> Thanks again to everybody for joining us. Uh, Hopefully we'll figure out our setup this week for the Sunday show, and we'll have a show coming out on Sunday recapping all the games. Uh, But for now, happy football, and we will talk to you again next week.